Blog Talk Radio. And good evening. My name is Ryan Miner. I'm your host of A Minor Detail, hosted on the Change Montgomery County Network at changemoco.org. You can read more about the organization, again, at changemoco.org. We are a nonprofit, nonpartisan 501c4 startup, and we are looking to empower people through empowering themselves, through public policy. We focus on four different strategic issues of transportation, jobs, education, and community-related events. And we're going to talk about one of those community-related events this evening, homelessness in Montgomery County. There's a big question out there is how we can get involved, how we can help people who are less fortunate than we are. That is the premise of what we do at Change Montgomery County. We provide solutions. And this is such a passionate topic that we all can rally around, and it's such a, an important topic, and especially by what is happening both in Maryland and what is happening at the national level. There are several initiatives underway, and tonight we have a great show lined up. The first, we're going to segment our show into two halves. The first is going to be more policy-oriented, and I have invited... Uh, Congressman Chris Van Hollen of Maryland's Congressional 8th District to join us. And I just want to offer a footnote that he may or may not be joining us. Uh, He is very busy today in budgets and uh, handling the markup for the budget. So uh, if we are fortunate to have the congressman, uh, certainly we'll appreciate his time. Uh, We have the Montgomery County Council President, George Levenfall, will be joining us to talk about his experience uh, and his his how Montgomery County is prioritizing the homelessness issue. And uh, we're going to be having on also in the first half of the show, we're going to be having Heather Sheridan of the Governor's Office of Human Resources. And Heather is the Director of Homeless Services. Uh, the second half of the show, we're going to have a Montgomery County advocate for the homeless, uh, Marta. And then we're going to have the executive director of the Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless, Susie Sinclair Smith, and the CEO of Respara Medical, Maria Martinez. And that's going to be a more personal aspect of the show where they tell their stories. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. So, what can we do as Montgomery Countyans to help get involved? in combating the homeless problem. And just a little statistics. On any given day, over 800 people in Montgomery County experience homelessness. And out of that number, nearly 200 are children. Every person who experiences homelessness, they have a unique story. How they got there, the consequences, the circumstances that led them into that position – And at Change Montgomery County, we strive to provide solutions, real solutions, to end homelessness in the county. We want to increase awareness. We want to enable resources. And we want to connect with real people out in this community through various organizations to combat the problem of homelessness and put a stop to it. And there are several campaigns that we will get into later in this show that are launched and underway now that are working to combat the problem of of homelessness in Montgomery County. So tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about some of those programs. One is the 100,000 Homes Initiative, the point in time, and uh, we're going to be having – talk about some local resources for safe living conditions. We're also going to talk about the Zero 2016 and um, I think I, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, George Levenfall, uh, he is the Montgomery County Council President. He should be calling in at any minute uh, to talk about an issue that just recently as yesterday, they held a regional summit on homelessness. It was convened by the D.C. Mayor, Mariel Bowser, and County Executive Ike Leggett was there, and County Executive Baker uh, from Prince George's County, they were also in in attendance, and they were held at the Silver Spring Homeless Facility. So I'm assuming that my first caller will be Council President George Leventhal. Is that you, Mr. Leventhal? Hi, yes, it is. 
Hi, Mr. Uh, we have Council President George Leventhal on the line. Uh, Councilman, thank you for joining the show. Uh, we sincerely appreciate your time. We know you're a busy guy, and we want to go right into it. Uh, yesterday, uh, you were part of a regional summit on homelessness. Uh, it was convened by the D.C. mayor and uh, County Executive Leggett and Baker were in attendance, and it was held down at Silver Spring uh, at a homeless facility. I think it was called Progress Place, and it's a site for – yes, it was a site for meals. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, what occurred yesterday and uh, what, uh, what, what, what you think will – how we will move forward as a county. Great. Well, homelessness certainly is a regional issue, and um, I talk with homeless clients a great deal. And, you know, they do move back and forth, certainly uh, where I live in Tacoma Park and the Silver Spring area. It's so close to the district line and also the Prince George's County line that it's very important for the three governments to share information in a more comprehensive way than we're doing now. We need to make sure that our computer databases um, can communicate with each other and that we can share information about specific clients for a wide range of reasons, which we're not doing now. And then finally, we can identify rapid rehousing, which wouldn't necessarily have to be on one side or the other of any jurisdictional line. If the three of us could partner and work together in terms of prioritizing those people who need to be housed the most quickly, then perhaps we could also partner in terms of identifying sites, whether we're in either county or the district. Right. So yesterday, uh, you attended, and I, I had seen on your Twitter feed that uh, you had talked. And um, could you tell me a little bit about what your speech was about? Um, as I uh, said earlier, I was just offering suggestions for ways in which the jurisdictions might be able to partner and in which I think our efforts to uh, tackle homelessness could be improved through cooperation. Mm-hmm. So, as as a as a councilman in Montgomery County, um, you've 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 been doing this for some quite some time, and you've had a mm-hmm. lot of experience. And I'm sure you have met um, people who were homeless and who have oh, been. Yeah. Um, I guess they have found affordable housing. So, uh, councilman, what where what partnerships uh, can uh, government and local citizens uh, work in tandem together to help combat this problem? Well, there are many, and um, it's really been historically and today the religious community that um, takes the lead. There's an uh, uh, outstanding organization called Interfaith Works, which is a coalition of churches and temples and synagogues and mosques um, from across the community, and um they are one of the major service providers. Another is the Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless. Another is Bethesda Cares. And there are many voluntary and um, civic organizations that, uh, you know, assist in uh, serving homeless and very, very poor clients. So there's lots of ways that people can get involved either with their time, uh, their talent, or, you know, their money. Uh, specifically in Montgomery County, where do you see one of the highest concentrations of homelessness, and where where does that population reside, or is it spread out throughout the county? Um, as far as we know, there's not as much homelessness in areas that are more remote from services because uh, you know a, a substantial number of homeless people don't have cars, so it's more likely you would find homeless people near public transportation and grocery stores and McDonald's 24-hour, you know, uh, operations where they can hang out. So it's, it, right. you know, you, you, you find more homeless people in more populated areas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Councilman, uh, I want you to stay with us. We have Heather Sheraton. She is the Director of Homeless Services. Uh, she works for uh, the, the Governor's Office, and I have asked her to join. And Heather, I'm assuming that is you on the line as well? Yes, it is. Good evening. Hey, Heather, thanks for joining us. You are on the line uh, with uh, Montgomery County Council President George Leventhal, and we're talking about homelessness in Montgomery County. And Heather, could you tell the audience your exact title and uh, what is going on at the state level? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, And, Councilman, uh, I was at the uh, summit event uh, yesterday in your regional summit event. It was an excellent event. Congratulations on that. It was excellent, indeed. Yes. Thanks. Great work. So, um, so Ryan, uh, I'm the Director of Homeless Services, and I'm based uh, at the Department of Human Resources on the state level. And so my role is to oversee the service, the homeless services funding uh, that comes out of the Department of Human Resources uh, that goes throughout the 24 different jurisdictions throughout the state. 
And the other part of my role is to oversee the State Interagency Council on Homelessness. Um, And just in short, that was established through legislation. There's been a few renditions of it previously, um, but this most recent effort uh, was passed through legislation, 2014 um, uh, legislature, and um, it was established that uh, agencies, government agencies, providers, advocates, and someone who's experienced homelessness should come together as the ICH. And so we've had three meetings uh, since September, and we're doing really well. So that's just in short what my what my role is. Absolutely. And uh, Councilman Levenfall and Heather, uh, you were referring to Heather earlier as the Interagency Council on Homelessness. And this was established last year by Senate Bill uh, 796 in 2014, to examine statewide initiatives aimed at ending homelessness throughout the state of Maryland. And I, I'm reading uh, part of uh, the, the title on the website. Um, Twelve agencies are involved, and from the Governor's Office of Children, Youth, and Families, representatives from local, um, from local groups, uh, COCs. And so you have an outline plan. And so you're working with local communities, and you're working with Montgomery County. How are you working, and how are you sharing the responsibilities among local governments, say, with Councilman Levenfall and the rest of the Montgomery County Council? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so basically how, how we work as uh, DHR, and that's important to, to list too, because it's important to understand how the money for homeless services flows throughout the state because that's a big piece of what we, how we have to work together. And as we are set up right now, money flows from the federal level and also the state level, and the um, money comes through three different agencies, DHR, uh, the Department of Human Resources, also the Department of um, Housing and Community Development, DHCD, and uh, DHMH. Um, And once the money comes through there for bricks and mortar, mainly through DHCD and also services through DHMH and my agency, we then put that money out to the local jurisdictions. So I'm sure, as Councilman uh, Leventhal had already explained, uh, we work with the local providers on the ground level. So as the state, we we do have a plan of how we want to move everyone towards ending homelessness and making of homelessness rare and brief throughout the state, but we cannot be experts in every community throughout the state. So the money flows through to a local um, appointing authority, and that uh, entity gives money to the local providers, as Councilman Leventhal explained. Right. Uh, Councilman Leventhal, uh, one of the questions is definitely money and how much resources we have at our disposal. Do you know how much resources in Montgomery County are budgeted to uh, to combat homelessness uh, year to year? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, were you going to have Susie Sinclair Smith on the line tonight as well? Yeah, she's she's going to be coming later on, and it, I, this might be a question that I reserve for her as well. But uh, well, I'll tell you, know, you if, the thing is that money money is devoted through as um, as in state government, it's devoted through several different agencies. We have a substantial um, housing initiative fund in the Department of Housing and Community Affairs, which we use to uh, purchase housing, leverage purchase of housing, renovate existing housing. Um, we provide some uh, subsidies for tenants and the staff to implement them, and so that's the Department of Housing. Then in the Health and Human Services Department, that's really that they run the crisis operation, which is where um, you know a lot of homeless people who are experiencing an emergency enter into the system. And then they also distribute grants to the wide range of nonprofit service providers I mentioned. Uh, and then really the homeless, the existence of people experiencing homeless homelessness is a is a cost to a lot of agencies. Um, right. We work very closely. See, we also set up at the county level an interagency commission on homelessness, and we had our second meeting this afternoon, and we brought together for the first time in county government agencies that had been interacting with homeless clients but had never been participating in the homelessness strategy. So the Department of Corrections, for example, obviously our jail interfaces a great deal with homeless clients, but we had never had a formal mechanism where the director of corrections was interacting with health and human services and housing, um, they had been interacting informally before, but now we're meeting quarterly to develop a strategy. When people are uh, done, you know, paying for their mistakes, then they're released into the community and a substantial number of ex-offenders end up being homeless. So it's important. Um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of homeless people end up getting incarcerated. So, so it's important that all of our agencies collaborate, but it's hard to put a single dollar amount on all of the different ways in which government interacts with homeless clients. Oh, that that yeah, that's exactly right. And y- y- homelessness is 
inextricably linked to poverty, to uh, recidivism and, and, and criminal activity. And one of one of the aspects that I've noticed about homelessness is that people, obviously, that are homeless have problems finding affordable housing. But there's there's several other elements that could lead them to be in that position. And policy-wise, I know local governments are working with several different agencies to really come up with a tangible solutions that they can put out and communicate. And Councilman Leventhal and Heather, let me ask you this from the agency, from the government perspective. What is the communications plan? Uh, do you work with the agencies? I mean, how are you disseminating the information so people like myself and people like that are involved in Change Montgomery County, how can we go to your organizations or go to government and say, okay, here we are. We're here to help. Um, where do you want us to go, and how do we go about doing it? Well, right. first of all, the county council has before it right now our second 10-year plan to tackle homelessness, and um, we will adopt it next week. It's available to read. It lays, it's in conformance with the federal plan um, to, to combat homelessness, and uh, it includes several specific goals, which I hope we'll meet. Uh, you know, the hope is, is that uh, there would be no homeless veterans in Montgomery County by 2017, uh, and the hope is that homeless families uh, would, would essentially all be housed by 2020. Um, they're ambitious goals. I mean, the, the 10-year plan to end homelessness that was adopted in 2002, homelessness had not ended in 2012. So, um, you know, these plans are aspirational. It, it has not been the case in the past, but we achieved <laughs> ending homelessness. But there has been a, a measured reduction in the prevalence of homelessness. Um, right. And, uh, you know, we're making progress in the right direction. And Ryan, to answer your question, uh, the State Interagency Council, um, we have meetings about every two months at this point, and all of our information, um, including information from past meetings, uh, what we've discussed, PowerPoints, agendas, those are all on our website at dhr.state.maryland.us. Um, and just click on Homeless Services. There's a number of, bene- a number of uh, excuse me, uh, resources on that uh, site. And up there, all of our interagency council meetings are open to the public. Anyone can come and observe. And our working groups, we have three working groups, one for veterans, one's for, one for health and homelessness and how that affects um, your health when you are homeless, and uh, youth and young adults who are homeless. Um, those working groups are open to anyone. Um, and we have a number of providers and subject matter experts in addition to the council members who are participating in those working groups Uh, on Mm -hmm. a regular basis. So I encourage folks to go to our website. Our framework is up there. In our last ICH meeting that we had, we took four of the top goals, the most um, popular and most uh, difficult ones, if you will, uh, challenging ones, and we broke them down uh, throughout the meeting. um, And everyone had a say as to what success would look like for those goals and what challenges we're going to face in the coming months and and year to achieve those goals. And those top Um, four goals... Oh, please go ahead. The top four goals quickly were just uh, to increase the uh, number of affordable and supportive housing units throughout the state, um, better discharge planning um, from emergency facilities, and as as you mentioned, the cost of someone being released or cycling in and out of emergency services is very costly to communities. Um, Also, uh, increase figuring out how to bridge the gap between income needs and cost of housing in the state. those were the different goals that we broke down at the last ICH meeting. It's very mm-hmm. participatory, and we encourage folks to come out. Um, we have a new governor, and he, uh, Heather, I, I don't I, obviously you can't speak for him, but I'm, I'm hoping that you could provide some insight into uh, is it, this definitely seems like a priority of uh, the, the Hogan administration as it was with the O'Malley administration. I mean, obviously, homelessness transcends any political barriers that there there might be, um, and it, it seems like that. I, now, have you? How long have you been in your position, Heather? How long have you been doing this? Because it's you're very very knowledgeable, and uh, I'm sure that this carries over from the different administration. Thank you. Um, I've been doing this work uh, in Maryland and in New York for uh, about a decade, but just came to DHR this past summer. Um, and you're right, homelessness is not necessarily a partisan issue. Um, and no, I can't speak on on behalf of the uh, the governor's staff. I know that you reached out to them as well earlier today. 
mm-hmm. but it's not a partisan issue. Really, what it be, what it boils down to is what people need in a community, how it's affecting, how homelessness is affecting members of a community, and and the response is is very community driven in many ways, as Councilman Leventhal is is is, is mentioning. Um, it is the community that comes around, wraps their arms around this issue, and fixes it. But yeah, yeah. not without state and, and federal funding and support, of course. Right. Uh, Councilman Leventhal, uh, I know you're very passionate about this, and, uh, and I've, seen, uh, I, I've seen you in action, and I've, I've you know, from, from everybody that I have spoken to and, and gotten feedback, this is definitely an issue that you take very close to heart. Um, you know, Councilman, how did you get started in this? What was your, how did this drive your passion uh, to, to combat homelessness, especially here in Montgomery County? Since I've uh, started on the county council in 2002, I've been chairman of the Health and Human Services Committee. And so I've learned about the wide range of services that we offer to people who need the most help from government, the sick, poor, the elderly, the mentally ill, the homeless, uh, and abused and abandoned children. And um, what you find is, is that there's a continuum of issues that drag people into poverty and drag people into misery. And sort of the bottom of that whole uh, continuum is homelessness. And so you have um, clients who are in need of a whole range of services, health care, absolutely, um, and uh, in many cases mental health and substance abuse treatment in the case of single individuals. And then what we're seeing now, sadly, as we're achieving some success in the reduction of homelessness among single individuals, we're seeing an increase in homelessness among youth and families, and that's really tragic. So um, just horrible stories in Montgomery County of uh, domestic violence victims, uh, family breakup and, um, you know, human trafficking. So um, there's a lot of vulnerable people and and, uh, trying to pull together all of the different agencies that need to be involved to help and to get people back, um, you know, in a healthy lifestyle and in a safe condition. Uh, It's an enormous public policy challenge, and the more I learn about it, the more I know I need to learn about it. There is no community that has solved the problem, but we all learn from each other what works. And the major consensus is, is, Housing first, that, um, right. you know, if you're talking about a single individual who may be mentally ill and you need that client to be medication compliant, it's very unlikely that a client can comply with taking his or her meds if he or she doesn't have a medicine cabinet. So if you get people stabilized in a place where they can live, um, the, the drinking goes down and the, um, uh, it's easier to treat whatever, um, you know, uh, medical or uh, mental health conditions they have, and um, and the data overwhelmingly shows that government saves money because the cost of homelessness is high. Homeless clients are interacting, as I mentioned before, with the Department of Corrections. Homeless clients cause enormous cost to the emergency medical system. Now, that's a state cost, so one of the things we really need to do is to integrate um, the county costs like corrections and, oh, gosh, the impact on the library system and the impact on policing. Um, right. With the state costs, which are the health care reimbursement, because homeless people are uh, significant users of emergency rooms at, at great cost to everybody. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I, I was looking at so you, you break down um, the the cost of homelessness, but also you kind of segment it into different groups. We talked about um, the the different uh, groups that are subdivided: homeless veterans. Uh, you have people who are chronically homeless, and Councilman and Heather, um, you, one of the major problems that I see throughout the country that is really startling and you know personally affecting us, and you know we may even know someone um, is veterans who come back from uh, from war or you know getting reacclimated back into society, and many of that we have many veterans here that live in Montgomery County um, that are suffering from P- uh, PTSD and several issues that were related to. To their combat service overseas, that is one of my biggest concerns, and especially veterans. And as uh, I think, government's first responsibility is take is to take care of the people who defend our rights at home and abroad. And uh, many of those folks are living on the street, but largely as a result of mental illness. And I was wondering if you both could speak to um, some of the the root causes uh, into homelessness. And I, and I'm and I think one of the main causes is mental illness. Yeah. Well, let me just say first that ending homelessness among veterans is a national priority, and it has been in the last two administrations under President Obama and President Bush. And the the it's a challenge, but the numbers are declining of homeless veterans here in Montgomery County and nationally. 
And because it's a federal priority, there are additional funding streams and benefits that uh, veterans are uniquely able to receive. So it does give local governments some more resources that we can draw down in trying to serve those clients. And uh, we have a goal of having no homeless veterans in Montgomery County by 2017. So that's that's what we've articulated as our goal. Yeah, right. Heather? I, I would support that and agree with that as well. But um, truly, we are all one life, significant life event away from becoming homeless. And absolutely, veterans are faced with a whole other set of challenges in, in coming back or having been back from Vietnam, if you will, even, and, and not having been captured into services in the way that they could and should have been, and as a result, have just fallen into homelessness. Um, and um, I tr I'm so glad, Councilman Leventhal, you brought up Housing First. This is absolutely um, the solution that we are and need to move towards. And Housing First on a national level and what that looks like nationally and other, other communities like Salt Lake City who have really embraced the notion of Housing First and have seen some significant drops in their numbers, that is truly a success. What we need to decide as the Interagency Council is what Housing First needs to look like for our state. And with that, not moving straight from Housing First from where we are now into Housing First, there needs to be some transition time. And what that looks like is the emergency services that we currently have and what those communities look like. Um, how do we continue to broaden that and support that as a state and through federal dollars um, as we move towards Housing First? Because not everyone is going to be ready to move into housing I, I, immediately. I, yeah, absolutely. I have a question for both of you. Uh, mm -hmm. Housing in Montgomery County, uh, it, this is not a inexpensive county to live in, <laughs> and uh, Montgomery County is certainly one of the wealthiest counties, I think, literally in, in the country. And, Councilman, you may correct me if I am wrong, please, by all means. Um, I, was it the 10th the 10th richest county in, in America? Well, each year there's some new estimate of uh, – Median income. So, you know, depending on which year you ask, it's number eight or number eleven or number thirteen. But it's you know among the wealthiest counties of the uh, well more than three thousand counties in America. Yeah, absolutely. And my question is, what is considered affordable housing in Montgomery County? Because, like you said, Heather, we are all one significant life event away from being homeless. I mean, look, I, I as a young guy myself, I'm 29. Uh, you know, I graduated college, and I, you know, I've tried, you know, I've done my best to to be gainfully employed. But you know, I have I've known friends that have gone on, on ex extended periods of time where they're unemployed. They have absolutely nothing to their name, no money, uh, no credit, no ability to gain housing, and anything could drop at that moment, and it, it, they would be out of a home. They would have to find a place to live. So, what do you? What do we consider uh, the the cost of living in Montgomery County? Um, the latest poverty standard is is up about seventy six thousand uh, dollars to be able to have a family of four to rent an apartment and live in Montgomery County. Seventy six thousand dollars. Wow. To and live to have a you know support at a reasonable rate, which is no more than a third of your income on rent, and support right. a family of four. Seventy six thousand dollars. I mean, think about. Uh, you know, think about a single mom that is, you know, has maybe one or two children in public schools, and she's working, you know, one minimum wage job and then another maybe at night. I mean, that. How, how do they do it? I mean, it's all. I mean, it's that is incredible. I mean, that's all. That, Seventy-six thousand dollars. That's that's more than some people would make in three years. And uh, the, the 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 primary aspect of this is like we said, affordable housing, and we have to get people into a housing program. And let me ask you, Councilman, what are some of those housing what, – what do we have as far as government housing? Um, how can people, if they are out of a home, and what is the next step? How do they go about finding that housing that is affordable um, for them to live in? Well, the, the clients we're talking about um, are we, – we need people who are – experiencing homelessness to come in from outside and avail themselves of services. Uh, and then when they get a meal at uh, Shepherd's Table in Silver Spring or um, uh, present at the Crisis Center in uh, Rockville, uh, then um, efforts will be made to connect them to other services. We, the idea is that there's no wrong door, that any way that you interact with our health and human services apparatus, um, the intake people will ascertain what your needs are and do you have access to health care? Do you have children? Are your children in a safe condition? Um, are you, do you have access to food? 
Uh, and then um, with time, as housing becomes available, people are placed. We're trying to prioritize the most um, vulnerable people so that uh, those who are literally at risk of dying if they stay on the streets are, are the earliest housed. And we've had some success in that regard. Um, we've placed about 45 clients uh, in in just the last year since the 100,000 Homes campaign got underway. So, um, you know, we're trying very hard to to place folks in permanent stable housing and achieving some success, but, uh, you know, the problem stubbornly persists and people enter and leave the condition. So, right. um, you know, I, I, I don't actually think that it, there will ever be 0% homeless population, but um, we are making a substantial reduction in the numbers as best we can measure. Well, that's Ryan, certainly... Yeah, please, Heather, continue. Yeah, Sorry, absolutely. if I may, um, an, an important piece of this, too, and in thinking about the entire continuum, continuum being used differently in, in continuum of care, really, but the continuum of what it, when someone starts to become at risk of being homeless, and a large amount of funding that uh, DHR provides throughout the state is homeless prevention dollars. So that's if people are facing eviction, um, it is if they're going into rent court and need to pay, uh, get old uh, utility bills paid off or um, back rent that they were unable to afford uh, at the moment, those services are available through uh, the local providers. Um, and that's an important piece of this, too. We want to make sure that if you have housing, that we're helping you to maintain that. And also service connections, uh, in addition to funding, are very important, too. Uh, landlord mediation services, our local uh, DSS offices provide those or referrals to those. So that's an important piece of it as well. Well, I want to thank you both for joining the show tonight. And Councilman Levenfall, I know you're a busy guy. Heather, I know you're really busy as well. And I think that this was a great informative discussion. And what we're looking to do as Montgomery County citizens, and uh, you know, we hope that shows like this will be able to reach out to people who are in need and work with these various organizations and our communities to put a, get, put a stop to homelessness and really start to help people. So I want to thank you both, both personally from the bottom of my heart Thanks for doing this, and what you're doing on shows like this, this matters. So much appreciated. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. You bet. Come back sometime. All right. Thank you so much. All right. So what a great aspect. What a great show. Um, So far, we have uh, the second half of the show. We're going to be talking to uh, Marta, uh, uh, an advocate for the homeless in Montgomery County, uh, Susie Sinclair-Smith and Maria Martinez. And we do have someone on the air. I'm assuming, is that you, Maria? Yes, it is. How are you? Hi. Maria, uh, thank you so much for agreeing to join our show. Um, You are the CEO of Respera Medical, if I'm not, am I saying that correctly? Yes, you are. Thank you. Okay. So I want to thank you so much. Um, I've heard so much about you. I've had the opportunity to read quite a bit about you. And uh, I was just wondering if, you know, we're talking about homelessness in Montgomery County and what we can do to stop it. So if you're willing to go into it, I'd love to hear your story. But also I want to bring in another guest. Um, I'm assuming that this is Marta who's joining us. Marta, yes. (laughs) Marta, welcome to the show. I also have Maria Martinez. And uh, right before you called in, uh, Maria was going to talk uh, about uh, her story, and then Marta will will bring will bring you on right into the show. So Maria, the floor is yours. Welcome to a minor detail tonight. We're talking about homelessness. The floor is yours. Oh, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for your gracious invitation and for including me in this very important dialogue. And I just want to say also good evening to my dear friend and someone <laughs> who is a fearless fighter for for uh, those that are less fortunate, and that would be Marta Bohorkas. So good evening, Marta. Nice to nice, you I know you're here. <laughs> nice talking to you, Maria. What a nice surprise, huh? I know. It's such a blessing. But I thank you so much. And, um, and you know, Marta is actually one of the reasons I'm I'm active, in particular with Montgomery County. And my my story, very just um, I try to make it as brief as I can. I'm, I consider myself, first of all, very blessed. Um, uh, life has had its journey with me. I come, I'm Latina, I'm 100% Hispanic, but I was born here in, um, well, actually in Baltimore, Maryland, in the United States, and I come from Latino family. My mother from Costa Rica, my father from Colombia, South America. And a long story short is I live with the, the culture of our, of our, of our family. So I was a good girl, promised to marriage at, uh, 12, believe it or not. I was, uh, 
then married at the age of 14. Um, then um, I uh, had a son four years later. So everything was done as my family wanted. I was a good girl. They wanted to keep it that way. And that was kind of, that was just their way. They had, they were following their own, their own values of what they knew. So my mother, though she's in heaven, would say out of her own ignorance, she did the best that she could just to make sure that I would be okay. So life took its journey. The first marriage was not meant to be, but, you know, it has its, you know, reasons for happening. I have a beautiful 34-year-old son, and and my my first husband and his wife are just they're wonderful people. We just weren't meant to be. Um, my second marriage, sadly, um, was uh, something that was a bit more um, challenging, and that's where I became a survivor of domestic violence and homeless. So I know firsthand um, what it's like. I've uh, I've traveled the journey, um, but I could not have done it without uh, organizations that were there for me, such as the House of Ruth in Baltimore, Maryland, and also the United Way of Central Maryland. So without their involvement, without their outreach, without them helping me understand what situation I was in before I even knew what situation I was in, and extending um, resources and, and just literally um, very slowly they threw out, very quickly they threw out a tether to me, but very slowly they pulled me in so I wouldn't feel that it was um, uh, uh, something that was something I had to do quickly. It was something that they helped me understand my situation and why I needed to leave. Um, but through all that journey, um, I um, my father was this wonderful, beautiful, big man. Was an iron worker. He succumbed to asbestosis and um, uh, in, in chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And in my in my second uh, marriage, as we were getting um, as we were separating, um, understand that my my family was not wealthy, but they gave me all they had to open um, a veterinary center with my ex-husband so we we built it together my father said my daughter which is mija in in spanish he said please just take care of us as we get older and i said of course i will papi i will do that so they gave me almost half a million dollars which is almost everything they had in their retirement and everything to open up a center and that's actually where the abuse happened and um over the years and and i finally had to leave and when I left, I thought I was safe. I thought that I was okay because I, I, I had the support, but I still had to work with him. And it was there when he actually, in front of everyone, he, he attacked me. And that's when I, I, we had re- realized we lost everything we had. So it's amazing how life takes its journey. And um, But they're good people around you. And we ended up, my father passed away. I sent my mother back to her country in Costa Rica to be with my brother. And then I went into the shelter. And in that shelter, you would think that it was, it was, you know, it was a very sad time for me. But it also became a rebirth because of the people around me that helped me understand my value. And I had, I had been beaten up, not just the physical abuse. It was the emotional abuse that had me just, you know... Uh, it taken a piece of my spirit. And um, there was a program through the Department of Labor License and Regulation and also through the United Way and an organization called Women Entrepreneurs of Baltimore and Baltimore City. And um, they said, if you could start a business, what would you start? What would you do? And I said, well, how can I start a business? I have no credit. I have nothing. I'm homeless. How am I going to start a business? And they go, Maria, pretend you have all the money in the world. What would you do? And I said, you know what? I'd start a respiratory home care company that took care of patients like my father and caregivers like my mother. And that's exactly what I was able to do. I put my business plan down. I mean, not my business plan, my thoughts down. And then I went to 200 people for 20 spots. And I thought that day was the best day of my life because I just met the most amazing people with ideas and they just wanted to be self-sufficient. Nobody wanted a handout. They just needed a hand up. And I I went and I shared my idea and, and I had experienced it with my family and my mother and what my mother went through with my father as he was dying and she took care of him for two years and he was bedridden and 
my dad had really good insurance because he was a union guy and, you know, they took care of their own and they still treated my family like nothing and just dropped things off and they built for it. So that's all that mattered to them. So that's when I knew we could do it a different way. So I told them that. That was my story of what I would do. And then I was one of the 20 people selected. And uh, I was just, that was like, you would have thought I won the lottery, which I did. I won the lottery. And that was uh, 14 years ago. And Respira now is a $14.5 million company with over 120 employees. And they're really our business partners. We don't call them employees. And we serve the Department of Defense, the Department of Energy, as well as the civilian community. And we're very proud of that. But it's because of the people around me that made that happen. I I just, I want to tell you, um, you know, I... (laughs) We go day to day and we, you know, we, we spend a lot of time with families and we talk about faith and, and we talk about the, the, the power that sometimes are, that, that carries through this. And Maria, I, I, I've never heard a story quite like that. And I mean, I am, mm-hmm. I am sitting back here, uh, I'm sitting at my kitchen table where I do this show from. And yeah. I mean, this is powerful. I mean, this is, this is one of the most remarkable stories that I've ever heard in my life. And I, I, this is everything that matters to to me as part of. I mean, this is you. You took something that was you were down <laughs> at the very bottom of of where I think you know uh, of being at the bottom of life. I mean, and and then you brought yourself back up through the help of you know, some organizations. And look at where you are now. I, I can't. This is the American dream. I'm almost speechless mm-hmm. because of how powerful that is. And I want to bring in Marta to talk more sure. about um, so the homeless. So, M- Maria, stick with us. Um, but uh, what you. an amazing story. Wow. Thank you so much. Well, thank mm-hmm. you, guys. Thank you. And I just want to tell you one last thing, Martha. Thank you because Martha is an incredible woman who also has opened the doors for so many women, and she has an amazing story of her own. So thank you again for your kind words. Yeah, yeah, stick with us. So, please, Marta, go ahead. Thank you so much uh, for the invitation, first of all, Ryan. And and Maria, your story seriously is so inspiring, and and I met you, and I was totally, totally inspired by you. Um, You've done so much for, for so many people you're doing. Um, so my story is uh, it has some similarities to to Maria's. I came to this country 17 years ago, flying away from domestic violence, and I remember very clearly telling my children in the airplane, "Guys, we're going to the U.S. Things are not going to be easy. I barely speak any English." but you're going to have to go and get your master's degrees. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it because I'm not going to accept anything less. <laughs> My children were 8 and 10 years old back then. So when I came to the U.S., to Miami, I married my second husband. He was a very good man, especially a wonderful father to my children. But just four years later, he was dying. Mm-hmm. from cancer and at that moment the, our house was repossessed we lost everything we had the cars were repossessed even the furniture was taken away and we had no place to go so i had a friend here in in maryland who told me she was um uh, a widow just like me so she said why don't you come and and use the basement and you pay me whenever you have a job so that's what I did. I was working three jobs to make ends meet, um, all of them paying nine, seven dollars an hour, very little money and and but my kids and are very supportive, very together in, in going through this situation. And we came to Maryland and we went to church and we received a lot of help from church, but a lot of help and, and we assist to the same church till today, fourteen years later. Um, my kids found friends. My kids are doing great right now. My son is going for his master's degree. Uh, so little by little, we we didn't get to use public services like um, any any shelters or anything like that. Uh, we did use uh, food from from Mana Food Center, and we did use clothes from Goodwill and Salvation Army and and, and secondhand from from people around us, 
But uh, and we went from basement to basement. It wasn't easy. We we had to go from basement to basement from different people in, in the church or friends or acquaintances that that heard about our story. And, and sometimes they just tried to help us, but they, for whatever reasons, they were not able to give us a permanent situation. Until ten years ago, I was qualified for a, a an MPDU, which is Moderate Price Dwelling Unit. It's a program within HFE. So I qualified as a low-income family and, and applied for it. And, and so in 10, 10 years ago, we moved into the, the house where I still live, which has been a tremendous blessing in, in our lives. And the story has turned around in, in wonderful ways. I work help, helping people with disabilities, finding employment, uh, I guess after having three jobs, I became kind of a, an expert in finding jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, by the goodness of God, we are in a, in a good place right now. Wow, this is this is such a powerful story, and I want to build upon that. There are several initiatives that are underway in Montgomery County nationally as well, and there's two that I've learned about. Um, I've, I've did a I've, I've done a quite a bit of research, and you know now that. I, I, I know about these campaigns and these different initiatives in place. Um, this this gives me real direction and someone like me who really – it's always been a passion of mine to help people that were less fortunate and homeless, but I, I never really had a solid footing or a direction and, uh, and a way to, uh, to get involved. And one of those ways to get involved is through a program uh, called Zero 2016, and I know you, you both may be familiar with this. Um, so what Zero 2016 is, it's a follow-up on the 100,000 campaign, and it's designed to end chronic and veteran homelessness in the next four years. And so it involves hands-on coaching, uh, the implementation of transparent data, and performance management strategies. And I talked to a guy today um, that is um, he, – he works for the organization, and his name is Adam Gibbs, and he, he sent me some really great information um, about the Zero 2016 program, and it's named that is uh, for the reason that by 2016, we'd like to totally eradicate uh, homelessness in the country. And I know that that's a lofty goal, but with mm -hmm. folks like you, Marta, and Maria, we can do it. And one of the goals of Zero 2016 is it's helping 71 U.S. communities and veteran and chronic homelessness by December 31st, 2016. And it talks about the 100,000 Homes campaign, and that generated huge momentum in the, in the fight to end homelessness. And But while it generally and greatly decreased the chronic and veteran homelessness, um, this problem still plagues our streets. And just a few statistics. So, um, you know, I, I was looking at, at – I'm reading my notes here, and um, – so one of the issues that uh, that I, I, I came across uh, is that in Montgomery County, um, in in Montgomery County, so we have roughly about over 800 people that are homeless every day, and um, and I want to hear from you both. What can people do if 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 people are homeless in Montgomery County? or they're about to be homeless, and they know they're about to experience a situation, and please, either one of you take this and bounce off one another, what's the first step that you would suggest for a person that's in, about to be in a situation that you were once in? Uh, well, you, do you um, want to go, Maria? Oh, no, go, you can go, Marta, please. Um, no, I think um, there is several resources that the county has. I am now part of the Interagency Commission of Homelessness, and we're trying to find uh, creative solutions. And we all believe that um, housing is the priority. Uh, once a person has house, employment, and, and every other need, but the housing is the first thing that needs to be in place. So um, I would say we're looking for, for creative solutions at this moment, and if anybody has ideas, I would be more than interested to hear about it and pass it on to the commission. Um, but yeah, but there we're working. We're working on this, and that's a goal. And I'm glad that you are aware of the zero homelessness for 2016. Absolutely. And so here's a little bit more statistics. And according to the United States 
uh, Inner Homeless Council, uh, there's about 8,205 people in Maryland that are currently homeless, give or take a few. Obviously, as as, as time passes by and the, as the initiatives and campaigns are put into motion and it's working, these numbers tend to decrease. And there's about 2,984 persons and families that are experiencing homeless in Maryland, 673 veterans, and 1,249 people are chronically homeless. And per 100,000 people in Maryland, there's about 139 people who are homeless. And, um, you know, some of these numbers are are really staggering. And I was reading more um, about national statistics. And I don't know if you guys were aware of this or uh, that in California alone, one-third of the population uh, of homelessness is based in California and between New York City and, and cities like L.A. and um, mm-hmm. and Fresno. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a huge population out there. Um, so when, here, here's another question, and I, and I, and I hope that you're, you're willing to, to talk about this, and I, I, I want to hear your experiences when you, when you were at that stage of not being able to, to find a place to live uh, literally without a home. I mean, what, what were the emotions? What were you feeling? What, what, what was going through your minds at that time, and did you speak to that? Um, well, this is Maria. Um, I, I I do want to tell you that it was one of the, I mean, the most frightening times of my life. It was a, a time that I was concerned more for my for my child than I mean for myself. And um, uh, the fact that I had um, the support of my first husband and his wife to help me with him that was that was just you know the, the most incredible gift to me. Um, and then I went to the shelter because I I didn't want him to I didn't want him to experience um, what I was going through with the emotional side. So I felt that I needed the support of the shelter, if you will, as long as he was safe right. and he was fine and I could still see him. But right. he didn't know what my situation was. I didn't need him to know that we were that the despair was there. Um, but I have to say that. Uh, you know, um, the, the 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 feeling, the fact that I just, you know, as Martha was saying, that you know, I was making such little money, maybe six to eight dollars an hour, when I knew I was capable for so much more. But at that point, your mm-hmm. spirit is so broken that you're just grateful for anything that you have. And I've cleaned homes. I've um, and just for some very wonderful people and some very not very nice people. Yeah. And I've done the yeah. things that, you you know, you have to do to take care of your family. And what that did, though, um, I lost a little bit of myself, and then the people around me lift me up. If it weren't for the people around me and through the shelter and through friends and through um, organizations that are there that understand your spirit, um, they understand mm-hmm. how they need you know to build you back up because that's right. I didn't want you know million multi million dollar company. I wanted just to be a sustainable person to take care of my child. That's all I wanted. Right. I'd never expected what blessings that we have today. Um, but with that said, you know that's why the responsibility I feel now has been given to me that um, I have to pay it forward because that's what was done for me. Love and there's strangers out there that I will never be able to thank them for their contributions of their time, their talent, their treasure to organizations. I wouldn't be here today if it not for them. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love these stories. And I think that if people are listening that have experienced similar circumstances as, as you both, I mean, I, I, I just, I think that this is such a powerful content and material and I hope this really resonates it. And as we, I, I want to give uh, each of, I want to give you the final word. Um, I'm, uh, we have about two more minutes, and um, I want to finish out the show with giving some people, uh, you know, the, the listeners, the resources about how they can get in contact with different organizations. So, mm-hmm. uh, Marta, I'd like for you to uh, to take out the conversation and uh, have the final thought. Thank you so much. Well, something that I learned just by working close to the Coalition for the Homeless is uh, never to use the word homeless to define a person, right. but to, to to go, I am experiencing homelessness, or you are experiencing homelessness, and not to call a person homeless, because that's not what they are. 
and to give, to always give them hope because I think that people are very ashamed of being in that situation. I was ashamed of being in that place, very ashamed. And, and it's nothing to be ashamed. It's something that sometimes it happens just because of circumstances. So and for the, by the goodness of many people, as Maria was saying, we have been able to overcome. We, we wouldn't have been able to do this on our own. So just well, that, can... and thank you. Thank you so much again. Well, and I know that in our in some we, I have I have gone through my own life and have experienced some some dark moments that you never think that you're going to be able to pull yourself out. But you have family, you have resources. But sometimes people who don't have family members or churches, they they literally have nothing. And the the the, the facts are that there are resources out in our community to help people. Get up and find that light at the end of the tunnel. And your stories are so impactful, and they are going to far resonate past this show. And I cannot thank you enough. And But I, I, I want to say your stories tonight are really, really, really great. And I, I, I just I, I believe in this process. I believe in your advocacy. And I know that if other people hear this, I hope they're inspired to go out and help other people as you have done. So I want to thank you both for joining me this evening, and I certainly hope as a follow-up you will be able to come back on the show. I'll be happy to. Thank you so much. I right. it's wonderful to share this space with you, Maria. Oh, likewise, Marcel. Big hug to you, and thank you so much for this opportunity. Absolutely. Yes. Blessings to both thank of you. Thank you. Thank you, Thanks. Ryan. Bye-bye. So I, I, as we close out the show with a little bit left of uh, three minutes or so, um, if you if you know someone that is homeless and you want the resources, um, the first thing that you need to do is find the right housing option. And in Montgomery County, you have the Housing Authority. It was authorized by a 1939 law. Um, and then you also have different organizations. And I want to give you one, an example, um, the Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless. If you know someone is homeless and you want to help them, contact 301-217-0314. Unfortunately, I think we missed Susie Sinclair Smith, who was the executive director of the Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless. And nonetheless, uh, maybe we'll get her on again soon. Um, the Housing for Urban Development also has pro, uh, programs and assistance listed on their website. Uh, you can Google uh, homeless shelters in Montgomery County, and the closest one, I guess, to someone that you know, or you know, if you or yourself are listening and uh, you have no place to go tonight, then let there is help out there, and it's accessible and we, we are here as a community to help you. Um, there's the Montgomery County Crisis Center, and if it's after 5 p.m., you can call 240-777-4000. That's 240-777-4000. That is the Montgomery County Crisis Center for single adults and for families. Um, there's the Rockville Health and Human Services Center, 240-777-4550. The Germantown Health and Human Services, 240-777-4448. And then Silver Spring at 240-777-3075. And if you know, like I said, if you know someone who is homeless, you have to get a plan in order. You have to uh, map out a strategy to find them first affordable housing and most imminently is a place to live. So I want to tell you that Montgomery County and Change Montgomery County, we are an organization dedicated to eradicating this problem and committed to offering our community serious, tangible resources to combat this problem. And you can contact me uh, at, at my Change Montgomery County email address at any time at Ryan underscore minor, M-I-N-E-R, at changemoco.org, and we will be happy to help you with any resources. Uh, I have to tell you that this is one of the most impactful shows that I have yet to do in my short-lived radio career and with Change Montgomery County. And um, I, I, I'm almost speechless, and, and for radio, that's probably not the best thing to be, but the stories of Marta and Maria, uh, who came on and told some very de deeply personal anecdotes about who they are as people, that's going to be a lasting impression. And I encourage you that if you want to get involved in, in helping solve this homeless problem, uh, 
There are so many different organizations and campaigns out there. And reach out. Reach out to the Montgomery County Coalition on the Homeless. And if you want to volunteer, sign up to help at a shelter. Sign up to help a homeless veteran. And just sign up and just be there. The Half the battle, as Woody Allen said, is showing up. And all we need to do is put together a coalition of people of like minds who want to solve this problem. It has been a pleasure to entertain you and to have your attention for the last hour. My name is Ryan Miner. I'm with Change Montgomery County. Thank you so much for an informative hour. God bless you, and have a wonderful night.